If you think you're getting bounced around by life's little problems... Speedball The Masked Marvel by Steve Ditko, Roger Stern, and Jackson Geis. On sale in June from Marvel. TM. Marvel Entertainment Group Incorporated All Rights Reserved. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I'm Jeff. And I am Rick. And I'll get you, my pretty, and your little random banter, too. <laughs> uh, it's another one where we, I think we missed it by one episode, because that also wouldn't have been last time, because we used that joke then. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but I mean, no, it's, I still like it. Still like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go lay down in this poppy field. Mmm. I think I mentioned before on one of our podcasts that I have been re-recording old VHS tapes onto some more solid media. Yeah. My old plays from high school. And one of the plays, the first play I was in on high school was Wizard of Oz. Mm. And all four years, I was in all four musicals, did not sing one note because I was Uncle Henry in uh, <laughs> that... Uh, yeah, that just made me think of that. <laughs> You're going to be a musical man, but not with the music. Not with the music, not one bit. Nay, nay, nay. <laughs> You're playing Mute Johnny Uncle. No, no, I always played a good speaking role, but you know what they never had me do? Sing! Ah. So, um, let's hear. The big thing for me is that uh, in between the last time we recorded and now... I went to Disneyland with my daughter. What? Yeah. That's amazing. It was so much fun. That'd be really cool. Yes. My daughter and I, it was a surprise for her. She had two days off for in-service from school on a Thursday and Friday. And so I decided that I would take her, just me and her. So, you know, we picked her up from school on Wednesday. My wife dropped us off. Daughter had no clue what was happening. Didn't know at all until I told the Uber driver that we were going to the Disneyland Hotel. So <laughs> Okay, so you guys had actually even land in California and everything yeah. at that stage? Oh, she nice. She did not care one bit. Okay. Her, I was like, do you want to guess where we're going? No, I'm on an adventure with Daddy. She was just like, I'm not being abducted. Mommy knows. It's yeah, all cool. She has no... Yeah, I just couldn't get her really... <laughs> She's like, I'm having fun. This is exciting, but pff, don't care. Yeah. Whatever. I am zen. <laughs> that is pretty darn cool. That so, is really neat. Yeah, three full days, two days in Disneyland, one day in uh, California Adventure. We stayed at my friend's house who lives right next door to Disneyland. Mm. So 15 minutes walking distance from his front door to the front gate. Nice. Yeah. She held in there because I'm the kind of person that I open up the park and I try my best to close it. Mm -hmm. yeah. The first night, she fell asleep on my shoulder for 30 minutes while we waited in line to go Aww. to uh, Rise of the Resistance, okay. which that's the new big thing That's the there hotness. And the, the last and first time that i went it was uh the indiana jones ride was the new hotness and pretty sweet <laughs> yeah this you have never seen anything like this before it is ridiculous what they do with that ride and mm -hmm. and how it works so I, it was halfway through the ride she's like this is amazing <laughs> so no the, the entire time was fun we we got lots of pictures anybody that follows us on twitter probably saw all my pictures and probably yeah, got yeah. annoyed with them after a while but it was a great daddy daughter bonding thing for us and something we just look back on and no that is really great it's good to have the it's good to have those kind of memories together where you can be like oh my daddy took me and did this thing and it was really great and it was a surprise so yeah no that is super cool 
So that's, I mean, I could go on talk, talk, talk about it, but I'm not going to, except that I will say this. I will tie it into comic books. Uh, when we went to California Adventure, we did go and see Black Panther, and we also got to get our picture taken with Captain America, too. Oh, okay, nice. So... It was that was pretty cool. In fact, you know, we're standing in line because for Black- they are Disney princesses now. Yes. yes, we're standing in line to see Black Panther, and I looked over and look. There's the Captain of the Guards over there. And Carrie, you know, ran over and you know with her you know, <laughs> book and got her you know, picture with her. And then while we we got up to Black Panther, and she walked over. She had not been in the pictures prior to then. She was kind mm-hmm. of just outside the area. And she walked over. And she says, oh, "I want a picture with her and you." <laughs> and so like all four of us got in there, and that was pretty special that's and really nice they did a special treatment on one of the pictures we got with captain america to make it look like an old time 1940s book uh, okay and it was very yeah. awesome so comic book related very nice <laughs> how about you what is your random banter it's just been lots and lots of like medical things with my mom and my daughter and hillary's been sick and computer dying and all sorts of different things like that but here i will just give you an example a 24 hour period of time example of what my life has been like uh yesterday uh we got up uh, I took Aurora. We went over to grandma's house because grandma had uh, medical appointments that we had to go to. So we went and did four different medical appointments yesterday with grandma. Uh, got back to her place. I scheduled it four more. We then came home and you know it's like, oh, okay, things are going okay. I got to give her a bath and stuff. Do that. To begin with, it was like, I go to bed and I wake Hillary up because her foot is like way over on my side of the bed. So I'm like, oh, I'll just slip into bed. Oh, I just slipped into a foot. Okay. <laughs> so I woke her up. Okay. We got to deal with that thing. Okay. Now she goes to sleep. Now a little bit of time later. Hey, the, uh, the cat's vomiting twice. Okay. That's really cool. Now that's gotten dealt with. So now it's the middle of the night and Aurora's woken up and she's uh, screaming how she wants to go away and go read a book. So <laughs> downstairs she goes stomping, screaming, I want to read a book. I want to read. So, okay. So middle of the night, old, uh, let's turn on the dimmest light, light possible in some part of the house so I can read a book to her a couple of times. And I was like, all right, can we go back to bed now? Okay. Yes. And it's just, just this continual kind of just overflow of like oh that was really cool i desperately needed to sleep last night so let's just keep getting woken up oh hey now the phone's ringing a bunch because of whatever reasons like this is just the coolest (laughs) night ever so that is just an example of what my life has been like as of late (laughs) have you ever thought about just running away from home yes i really kind of want to but you know my responsibilities you know all you need is is a little kerchief uh, some some stuff to put in there and, and, and a broomstick. And a nice stick, yeah. yeah. And then, then there, there you go. You're ready to go. I know. My perpetual joke is uh, daddy's got to go to the store for cigarettes. Yeah. And I don't smoke. It's a good time to start. <laughs> yeah, it's like if daddy's going to go to the store for cigarettes, he's never coming home. Well, speaking of smoke, you can't mm-hmm. have smoke without fire. Yeah. And you know what the best way to deal with fire? What? You should fight fire with fire. See, I like how you are thinking. Mm-hmm. We got a book with a name. Fight fire with fire. But before we can get to that, we need to do some other stuff. Jeff, can you please give me the two cents replay from last episode? Oh, good. The boogeyman is back, said no one ever. But we will have to since he returns in this issue to reveal that he is the voice of the mysterious caller that has been threatening Power Pack and that he is going to capture and sell Rebecca Littlehale to the highest bidder and that the pack better leave him to it or else. With threats pushed to the background, Power Pack sets out to stop this suddenly spelt kidnapping Claude, only to discover that he has the right stuff in his The Right updated super suit, which he uses to fly higher than the pack can breathe, thus escaping with his quarry and setting the stage for his next encounter with the four underage superheroes. Now that the 
We honestly forgot and were kind of surprised that Rebecca Littlehill ever showed up again in these comics. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. You sound like you deserve one. Unfortunately, you know, tonight is not going to be a night of calm, easygoing type of things. There's a lot of fighting going on here. There's a lot of combat. And so, because there's a lot of combat, I would like to present you with Combat Wombat. Oh, I've had this. <laughs> this is a... Uh... This has just got the best label. First of all, it's got the best. This is always an amazing name. It's a it's a rogue beer. Rogue just does fun stuff. But Combat Wombat is just uh, just mwah, amazing title for a thing. Yeah, it is a sour northeast style India pale ale with blood orange and grapefruit. It's a it's a bomber, so it's a brown bottle, but it is got a Combat Wombat. It's almost like a Kung Fu Rambo Wombat playing Fruit Ninja by kicking fruits and stuff out of the air. <laughs> yeah, that is just fabulous. I, I decided to go with this one just because, I, well, it's another one I had in my closet and I really want to try to get through some of the beers in my closet. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this was a nice match of a name, especially because it is 7.2% ABV, 49 IBU. It is a sour Northwest style IPA with blood orange and grapefruit. And like you said, it's by Rogue Brewery. Mm-hmm. So I have not had this one yet. I'm very curious to try it out. Because we have a sour IPA blend. It, of course, has the eh, I, the lightness of an IPA. It's very golden yellow there. Yeah, it's got a lot of uh, fizz to it, a lot of bubble. Pretty uh, transparent. Un- unlike an IPA, where you usually smell that tar or pine. Yeah. Yeah, this, you definitely get the sour pungent smell. Yeah, it is very fruit. It is very tart fruit forward on the uh, aroma. I'm trying to figure out what kind of fruit it's... Uh, Kind of a citrusy kind of a citrusy mango. Yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah. Mango citrus would be a good descriptor of that uh, of that smell. Yeah, it's got a nice color. It's a look amber. Yeah, it it looks like beer. Yeah, generic beer brand color beer. Just a smell hits you, and you're like, "This is not." It smells. Yeah, it's not generic beer. It's not a lager, but it's it it smells really nice. I like that fruit notes. Fruit notes abound. That has got a fizzy, fruity, yeah, fruity taste. If there's IPA in here, I can't find. Not really, no. This is just pure micro-tart fruit yeah. beer. I'm getting guava? I can see that. Yeah, a little, yeah. A little passion fruity kind mm-hmm. of thing. I want to say mango, but every time I'm feeling like it's mango, I'm like, hmm, maybe not really. Maybe but it, but it's in that worldview. Yeah. It's kind of that papaya kind of mango yeah. kind of thing. Kind of that passion fruit, orange, guava kind of flavor kind of deal. Uh, mangoes oftentimes, I think, will kind of have that kind of green flavor, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Sort of. And this kind of has this on like... Uh, Kind of in the back half notes is kind of like a like a green mango kind of flavor. Yeah, yeah, no, I can get that. Yeah. No, I'm liking it. I think this yeah. is quite quite tasty, quite good. I'm quite happy with this. I think I'm going to enjoy this immensely. I already am, and yeah. uh, and for being a sour, it's really not all that t- all that tart or all that sour. It is it it has the yeah I'm a sour, yeah, but when when I think of sours, I think of the smell, kind yeah. of like a pungent smell, and also there's a certain part of the tongue that it hits, and mm-hmm. I'm still getting that hit on hit on that part of the tongue. Yeah, uh, the IPA, I I'm not getting that at no. all. Which is nice and pleasant. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, I think we like IPAs when they're not IPAs. <laughs> We are so bad. Yeah, but this is really tasty. Nice and simple with our beer choice here. I think we are ready to move right on into those opening credits, if you please, sir. Power Pack, issue number 40, September 1988. Fire with Fire. Credits. Written with ESP by Louis Simonson. Penciled ASAP by Sal Valudo. Inked in his RV by Gary Tillock. 
Lettered with HP by Joe Rosen. Colored with TLC by Glennis Oliver. Edited in NYC by Carl Potts. SWAK by Tom DeFalco. Featuring Power Pack. Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer. Disintegrator. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecular Mistress of Density. Moleculator. Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight. Gravitator. Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak. Flyinator. And guest starring the New Mutants. Cannonball, he can fly and is nigh invulnerable when he does. Mirage, she can create solid illusions based upon what someone wants or fears. Sunspot can become very strong. Wolfsbane can turn into a wolf. Warlock can change his shape. Magic can teleport via the demon realm limbo and has a soul sword. Yeah, she's a little complex. Note, this takes place between New Mutants number 66 and New Mutants annual number 4, per the pretty pink box on the front page. The kids are out hunting for Rebecca Littlehill, still stinging from their loss at the hands of the boogeyman. The frustrating thing is that the best plan they can come up with is just to fly around, looking for them, seeing what they can see. And they just ain't seen anything. They may not be seeing anything, but I sure am. What do you see? Is it the boogeyman? No, something far worse. Bad proportions on the drawings of half of the pack. Jack's head is half again the size of Alex's, and little five-year-old Katie, who is flying behind Alex, is twice his size. Did some secondary mutations kick in in between issues or something? Let me answer this for you in two parts. One, they're not mutants. And two, I think that the artist was going for a fisheye lens effect on the splash page, just to make it more interesting, kind of like my voice. Well, it looks... And that sounds strange to me. Almost as strange looking as the flying capsule that they see flying below them. Well, yeah, I'm going to grant you the flying capsule. I mean, that is kind of strange looking too. But I'm pretty sure it's not dangerous. Well, it's not dangerous unless Alex shoots a powerball at it to distract it and slow it down so that they can, and I quote, catch it. But he wouldn't do such a thing like that, would he? Yes. Yes, he would. And this is why we cannot have nice things. His master plan to stop, it worked. And then the ship opened up a big door. And then a cannonball flies out of it, hitting Alex right in the breadbasket. Oof! Wait, wait, this is a futuristic flying ship thingy, right? Why would they be shooting cannonballs? No, no, not cannonballs, plural, but cannonball, singular. As in one mutant named Cannonball from the New Mutants. Unfortunately, in the standard comics trope of heroes fighting as a means of saying, Hi, the kids are not recognizing their friend. Possibly because he is not wearing the standard-issue New Mutants uniform. Now, I cannot really tell you why Cannonball is not recognizing Power Pack, other than that they have their powers reassigned since he saw them last time. But he is not solving this two-piece puzzle, and he keeps reacting, first colliding into Alex and then blasting away while holding him, easily shrugging off a hit from Julie Hammer and a Starstreak-driven double-G battering ram from Jack. Jack warns the others not to touch their flying foe as his protective energy glow burns. And with this information, Alex takes this opportunity to try something new, while kicking out some big darn hero talk. Not gonna burn much longer, dude. Think you're so tough, dude? Try flying now! So the new thing he tries is disintegrating the field that Cannonball emits while he's blasting, also known as flying. Hey, um, I know you're the science cowboy on the show, but I think there may have be a bit of a flaw in Alex's plan. <laughs> you think? Yeah, if Cannonball is flying, and there's a field around him, and that field goes away, there may not be any more, you know, flight going on. Shrekt. 
And you would be right. The good news is that as they fall, they have time to figure out who each other is. Hmm, that'll cut down on the awkwardness that will occur when they smash into the ground and cease their preambulation upon this mortal coil. Never you fear, because while Power Pack may not make it in time to save them, it looks like the weird aircraft that they shot at is positioning itself underneath and catching the plummeting pair prior permanently parting this plane of existence. Do not worry, self friends. Self will save you. Thud. Yes, this strange ship is Warlock. And yes, the rest of the new mutants are inside the Warlock ship. So yes, don't think too hard about this, folks. This is comics. The first new mutant to really mock Cannonball about being taken out of action by a preteen is Magic. She is really the only one that Power Pack has not met yet. But that is quickly taken care of by Mirage giving them an introduction to her by saying, This is Magic. She can teleport. Which, as introductions go, seems a little lacking. While explaining that only last year she was a six-year-old Russian peasant girl, but now she is a soul-sword-wielding demon queen who is rapidly losing control of her dimension, may raise too many questions. I will concede a point to your argument. Sunspot starts to sing the Power Pack's praises. He also says that what happened to Cannonball happened to him. He was so freaked out by the attack that it took him a few seconds to figure out what was going on. Yeah, Sunspot, that sounds just like what happened to you. While Cannonball compliments Alex on taking him out, he asks if Alex wants to join the New Mutants again. This annoys Katie. I'm a good fighter. Why didn't they ask me? Because you're a baby. That's why. I am not a baby, and I can fly really fast. And I'm a good fighter. This prompts Wolfsbane to comfort Katie by first saying that it's hard being the youngest, and then changing into Wolf so that Katie has a big furry dog to hug, and then giving her a lick on the face. Slurp. Yeah, Wolfsbane. Especially when what you really want to be is a boss. The combined teams ask Warlock to land and they begin to get down to brass tacks. It is soon apparent that both teams have the same agenda. The new mutants caught the news footage of Rebecca being taken. Power Pack quickly fills in the details about who the big bad is and what the current storyline is in the briefest of two-sentence replays. The teams also have similar problems, while the Boogeyman has been threatening to tell the Power Parents about the Power's powers possibly causing some groundings, the new mutants are avoiding their own threats of forever grounding by their headmaster, Magneto, by doing secret missions. You see, the problem with adults, as Mirage so succinctly puts it, is that they think that kids are young, dumb, and full of the inability to decide what's right. I thought it was more like the Fresh Prince saying that he thought they just didn't understand. Yes, to quote the great Fresh Prince, that is what he said. Be that as it may, the current big problem that they have with an adult is that they do not know where Boogeyman's secret lair is. But never fear, Alex realizes that if they can't go to the Boogeyman, they can make him come to them. To do this, he has come up with a really good plan. First step, send Katie home to go get the family's Polaroid camera. No! You always order me around and make me do all the crummy jobs because I'm the littlest. No, really, Starstreak. I only want you to go because you're the fastest. No! All right, all right, you win. If you get the camera, then only you get to be in the pictures. Just you and Warlock. Me and Warlock? Really? Okay, I'll get it. But you can't be in them. I'm getting the camera and I won't let you. Okay, and bring back some sunglasses too, okay? With Katie finally sent off to get the camera and sunglasses, Alex requests Mirage to make an image of the Boogeyman, and then asks Warlock to copy that image. And we get a series of goofy attempts by Warlock making increasingly similar and sillier images of the Boogeyman, until... Arg! No! Come on, Locke! Get serious! Serious? Well, that's all you had to say! Now that Warlock has stopped goofing around and Katie has returned, Julie 
who has figured out what is going on, redoes Katie's hair from two ponytails into a single ponytail and has her put on the dark sunglasses. Lights, camera, action, and after a quick off-camera photo shoot, the combined Now We're Mac... Uh, we're, we're not calling it that. Pew Putents? The unnamed combination team reviews the pictures. You see, with Warlock looking like the boogeyman and Katie dressed with one ponytail and glasses inside of a similar bag looking like Rebecca Littlehale, they have replicated the kidnapping. This doesn't sit well with Katie, as now no one will know it was her in the pictures. Alex mollifies her by partially explaining the plan she wasn't present to hear, and too upset to figure out on her own. And this gets them to the phase two of the operation. Fight fire with fire. They then write on the photos a message stating that this is the boogeyman and that he was the one who kidnapped Rebecca Little Hale, followed by Magic teleporting the copied photos to various news outlets after Katie refuses to be part of any more low fame and glory endeavors. Brilliant! The next morning, at the power pad. It is another frantic morning as the two parents are hurrying out to their appointments on a Saturday morning. Jim apologizes to the kids, promising them a family day tomorrow. But before they leave, Jim comments on the lack of Goo-Gam cartoons on the TV. I mean, it's Saturday morning. Why are they watching the news? I thought maybe I'd find out what was going on in the world and stuff like that. And sure as toast, the reporter starts talking about the kidnapping of Rebecca and the unexplainable appearance in the newsrooms across the city of all the photos showing that it was this weird villain called the Boogeyman who's doing it all. With that exposition delivered and Jack and Alex almost subtly mugging proudly to one another at the table, Maggie comments that this proves her fear that kids having powers invites danger and the end to childhood. And on that cheery note, the parents leave and Alex signals the new mutants that it is hero time. After the Xavier School students pop into the room, Alex gathers team Now We're Mac into Huddle, and off-panel explains Phase 3. Seriously? I mean, the name just sounds ridiculous. As ridiculous as seeing two of the members of Pew Putin sitting on a window ledge of a building instead of following the just-laid-out plan? Huh. Funny you should mention that, because that is exactly what Katie is doing now while chastising Warlock for doing the exact same thing. First she complained about getting the worst jobs, now she is inadvertently and untimely bait. You are not wrong. It only takes a minute for the boogeyman to show up, grab her, stuff her into one of those specially designed glad bags, monologue a little bit, and take off into the child abducting yonder. In fact, he is so fast that the rest of Nower Stop it! Mac did not have time to prepare. As the rest of the kids lean out of the window, shaking their fists in impotent rage, Wolfsbane wonders where Warlock is. Well, I'm glad you asked. Warlock is being the bestest mutant right now. He has attached onto the crummy kidnapper and is stringing out of his body like a really long techno-organic silly string. Cannonball, with Jack degrabbing everyone, flies up into the sky and quickly discovers the Warlock crumb trail, following it all the way to a really exhausted little alien boy. He unraveled as much as he could, and it appears it was just enough because he ran out just at the front door of this door of dastardly deeds. Inside the villain's lair, the boogeyman deposits the Katie bag next to the Rebecca Skippy bag. Some people take out the garbage. I just keep bringing it in. Valuable garbage, though. I'll get a pretty price for you and rid the world of mute scum at the same time. Well, Rebecca's okay, and her little dog, too. Well, sort of. I mean, you know, she and her dog are still sealed in the bag for freshness from yesterday. So, you know, probably not too fresh in there anymore. 
But now Katie is there, also trapped in a bag. And even though Katie has whispered that help is on the way, this guy ain't too stable. He's talking about selling the kids for profit, after all. So he is a businessman with questionable morals. What's the big deal if he's trying to traffic children? I mean, you know, besides the obvious reason. He's also speaking to a demon named Nastara on a video monitor. Okay, yeah. I see how that is out of the friends and family network. But what? Well... Let me build the universe a little bit. This issue is pushing up against a really big Marvel event from the early 90s known as Inferno. One of the key players of the drama in the story is Magic. She was raised in a demon dimension called Limbo. That dimension has been slowly changing, which in turn has slowly started to change Eliana. The demons have been getting stronger, and she has been losing control over it. One of the demons behind the power shift is Nastara. He has a plan to open a portal from his dimension to Earth using children of power. Whoa, there is just a lot going on there. Do we really need to know about all this, though? Well, yeah, because Inferno is coming. And in the immortal words of Jay and Miles, it is always Inferno. For now, we should point out that the Boogeyman used to belong to a group called the Rite, who also had to deal with this demon. And even though old Carmody has sold his soul to the Rite, since they are gone, they defaulted their payments, and now his soul is his own again. So, Nistra is interested in buying a gently used third-hand Carmody soul, but the Boogeyman says that the only thing that he is selling is mutant children to the highest bidder. You know, I've always really disliked Carmody, and I knew he was bad, and I knew there was evil, and then there is evil. But playing a three-card Monty game with your soul and demons and evil corporation seems like a whole new level of bad appleness. As the negotiations continue, we start to get a picture of what Nestra wants and how much of a slimy con man Carmody is. Let's go down the list. Children of power. These two are the ones you want, and there are three more where they came from. They must be pure. As the driven snow. And they must be infants. Almost. Nearly. Barely out of infancy. Now that Nustra can see what the boogeyman is selling, he dismisses Rebecca. But he has a small interest in Katie. His minions have informed him how they have used her power before, back in issue number 20. Now while all of this demonic song and dance has occurred, the combined team has gathered, observed, planned, and are now attacking. A quick teleport inside the building, and the fight is on. So, you came for a playdate with the boogeyman, did you? And brought your little friends. Well, play with those. The boogeyman flips a switch and a small horde of evil robotic toys attack the powered up children. Let me say that again. A small horde of evil robotic toys attack the powered up children. Man, I love comics. Yeah. <laughs> Was not expecting the arcade special sampler pack as a defense, but here we are. So let's check out the dance card. Wolvesbane changes into a wolf and bites a robot in the leg while Alex powerballs it. Tracked. Boom. Crunch. Cannonball bowls over a Raggedy Ann robot while Sunspot and Warlock dodge an angry sun death ball. Also, Jack and Mirage do the classic punch, knock over while bending behind a robotic rabbit. Magic is using her teleportation discs to run an RC car into a pig-headed robot. Crash! All while the kids complain about the low-budget production of it all. You know, at least until Jack takes a knock to the head from a flying drone. Whacked! He falls into one of the waiting plastic bags held by Carmody and is removed from this combat encounter. Warlock starts to free Rebecca and Katie, but the Boogeyman fires a gun at the robotic alien. Blam, blam! Sunspot tries to charge the big bat, but he also takes a blow to the head from the same flying drone that took out Jack, so two points for that. But before he is ziplocked, Katie does the ribbon confusion thing around Carmody, temporarily stun-locking her opponent. Rebecca is also freed, but so is her dog Skippy, who charges a rat-headed robot, determined to defend this human from danger. Rebecca tries to stop him, but cannot see him at all. She knows, though, that he is wearing a collar with a sparkly tag, so she focuses on his barking and looks at the Guardian's glittering guilt. 
And sure enough, Zring! it works. She teleports just in time to snatch her pooch from the robot's grips. But Carmody is right there. Oh, oh no! Never fear, Mirage is here to cause fear. She pulls up an illusion showing Carmody's greatest wish, a graveyard filled with the graves of dead mutant children, buried under piles of money, with more money gently falling from the heavens. Yeah, that's kind of dark. Yeah, you know who is also pretty dark and really upset by this? Who? Magic. And do you know what happens when she gets angry, Mr. McGee? Mm, I'm guessing that nobody will like it if she gets angry? Precisely! See, since she grew up in the demon dimension of Limbo, and is the queen of the dimension, she has a demon queen side, and she can manifest into that form, which includes armor, horns, cloven hooves, and a big soul sword. She then opens a portal under the boogeyman and sends him to Limbo, where we see him falling and falling and falling. But to where? Where did he go, Mr. Wizard? We will find out in a few more issues. Just you wait. But I will give you a clue. Nestra is very happy with this development. He was watching all of this occur, and he makes a comment that the demons in Limbo are getting restless, but that they will deal with Carmody. He also mentions that dealing with human intermediaries has proven annoying and fruitless. I can see now that I must travel to Earth, personally, to oversee the collection of the infants. If Sam's plan is to succeed and mine through him. Meanwhile, back in the wrecked villain lair, home of the Island of Broken Toys, Combined Group takes stock of the situation and offers some options for training to Rebecca, including going to X-Factor for help or going back with the New Mutants to their school. She politely refuses and asks just to be taken home. Warlock flies everyone back to the Little Hale's property, setting up a pair of giant shaded sunglasses on the bow of his open-topped skiff form for Rebecca. Also, uh, notice I said property, though, instead of residence. This is because the house is kind of a charred mess and is no way inhabitable anymore. You know, cute. Real, real, real cute there. Well, using Julie's cloud as cover, they land nearby, and Rebecca says goodbye to everyone. And using the TV lights around her parents, Rebecca uses her powers to teleport next to her folks. While her parents are overjoyed at seeing her, the reporters just pick back up where they were, demanding to know the family's plans. Mr. Littlehill barely restrains himself when he tells the reporter off, but does make it clear that the family will have to go into hiding. Rebecca speaks up and says that she wants to learn how to use her power, and she wants to be a hero when she grows up. She also says that her name would be Light Tracker. Hmm. Uh... You're really killing that entire need for a secret identity, aren't you? Elsewhere, Power Pack and the New Mutants say goodbye to each other. With Mr. Jack, a.k.a. Smooth Operator, collecting another kiss from a blonde hero, you know, this time magic, I'm guessing that she can sense the bad boy in him. And she likes it. The offer of joining the New Mutants is floated only Alex's way again by Cannonball. But it appears that the only member of the pack that wants to take up the offer is Katie. Cannonball says that they will keep that in mind. After they teleport away, Power Pack flies home and they discuss the speech Rebecca's dad made. And they bring up their own dilemma of telling their parents about their powers. After looking at what happened to Rebecca and her parents, and the hatred they saw from the boogeyman and the protester, they agree to not tell. But they know that they will have to be more careful from here on out if they're going to keep their secret. The end. Next issue, Smoke Out. But we're going to take a strange little detour and check out Marvel Fanfare 55, The Battle of PS87, next episode. And before we do that... We have to talk about the Power Pack packaging. Yes, we do. What does this cover look like? What's going on with it? Why well, do we like it? Why don't we like it? Who does it know? What's it wearing? Well, let me tell you here, Jeff. We have a cover that is drawn by Bogdanov and Stan Drake, who's a new colorist in our book, but he does a 
fairly decent job, I think. I always like Bogdanov's drawing style. This one is pretty darn creepy, actually. We have Power Pack with a little box that says, This issue, the New Mutants guest star. And we have a graveyard. And we've got eight gravestones that are there, seven around the front, one kind of in the background. And on one of them, on the side of one of them, you see Bogdanov and Drake kind of embossed on it. And you have Alex and Jack coming up from the front two graves, Katie Mirage and Sunspot coming up from the side ones. Julie is misting up from a grave on the uh, right-hand side, as well as Magic. And in the background, you got Warlock coming up. Cannonball is coming flying from the background. And right in the center of all this is Carmody and his boogeyman costume. And he's got Rebecca around the throat. And he's kind of getting freaked out because all these powered-up kids are coming and attacking him. This does not happen in the book, but there are elements that are there because Mirage does do the... Mutant graveyard. Yeah, mutant... Or she does the... Um, her, her Mirage of what he wants when he wants to see you know, dead kids with money. So we do have this graveyard kind of image there. I kind of like it. it it's not, it, it's reminiscent of one little scene that happens in here, but it gives you what it is. It's the kids attacking Boogeyman. Yeah, it's kind of funny too, because magic is in her demon queen form, her dark child persona. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, like Warlock and Mirage both are like kind of zombie form, but nobody else is. It's, it's Well, you, you kind of see Cannibal kind of is. He's got the mask on, so you kind of see it, but we don't really see... We don't really see the uh, the Power Pack kids' faces. Yeah. I mean, you know, Julie's ghosted up, so you can't really tell the kind of features on her face, and the other kids are faced away. So yeah. they could have that... The zombie appearance yeah. or the uh, kind of demonic form. It's just, it's just funny to me because it's kind of like, we're zombies. Well, not all of us. Most yeah, of us most, are. Most of them are. I, I like the cover. I, I it's Oh, it's one a great those, cover. Yeah, it's very nice. evocative covers. Yeah, it, it, it grabs you. You see it and you go, oh, I like this. What's going on here? Now, I know that you had some problems with the, the splash page with the kids, but I yeah. think most of the drawing throughout this, Salvaludo's drawing is, is pretty spot on. I, I like the kids. I like the action. He draws action very well, I think. The splash page on the front, it, it's nice. It's like, I like what they've done with Julian. It's like, the drawing's fine. It's just, their proportion thing is really weird, because it is, it's like, okay, Katie's behind Alex, but is twice his size, and Jack is larger than Alex, and it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of a fisheye, kind of like we're flying at you, kind of lens look, kind of thing, but it's just, it's not right, kind of yeah. a deal. So that's my problem with it. Otherwise, it the artwork on it, the splash page art looks nice, yeah. but it just has, there's proportion issues. Fair enough. Or I can, I understand intellectually what the artist was doing, but I emotionally am like, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I, I like the art in this book. I like the action. I like the movement. Uh, we've got a good reason. It's it's a good hand wavy reason the kids run into the new mutants there. They're all <laughs> yeah. looking for the same thing. Fine, whatever. We've got a good reason for a, for a crossover, and I think it's a fun use of the two teams together. Oh, it is. You do have the problem with so many characters. You don't not, not everybody gets the time that yeah. they really should. I mean, it would have been nice to have more interactions with Wolfsbane and Katie. I thought that was really cute. The one interaction they had. Yeah. Oh, um, and, and I love Sam and Alex. You know, I think yeah. that's great. And Jack and Warlock and right. Sunspot's just kind of there um, you know, he, <laughs> nobody he, wants to hang out with sunspot yeah, he, he he doesn't say too much he shows up in the in the scenes but it's like he's not really yeah. present yeah he's not interacting yeah, he, he gets he gets a and then after the one scene with uh wolfsbane it's they both are background characters. yeah very much so it's one of the problems you could throw this many people yeah. in, in a pretty thick storyline too i mean they've got a lot going on they've got a really clever plan that they're trying to put together mm -hmm. in the beginning then they've got you know chasing down uh, Carmody. Then we have the introduction of 
Nastra, yeah, and and kind of the, the tee up for Inferno. There is a lot happening. Yeah, there's in this. a there lot. Really happening. is. Yeah, it kind of suffers from the. It should be like a double size issue to really kind of yeah. cover all this stuff because there's enough info there. They cover the information well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, if they did more than that, it would be just you know, it would be filler, but it would be like interesting, nice filler. Right. It, it could be have character interactions, interactions. And character yeah. yeah, which would be nice. Like I said, this I think the big thing we take away with this is. There are some big, big seeds planted yes. for Inferno. Yeah, stuff is coming. Um, it's yeah. going to be huge. We keep saying Inferno. And Inferno, we should explain once again here, is that this this crossover event that happened in the early 90s with all of the mutant books in Marvel. And this was X-Factor, X-Men, New Mutants. Excalibur was even part of it a bit, too. And it affected all of the Marvel line. All of the characters that are based in New York City were dealing with one or two issues of weird crazy stuff so as these demons burst into this world they burst into new york city and they slowly turn new york city into this giant demon hellscape Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term and it's it's it was very creepy and very strange all of the artwork and all the books changed and strange things happened like daredevil getting attacked with a vacuum cleaner and (laughs) stuff like that (laughs) So all of this is being set up here because you have a little bit of interactions with magic and you see her as she gets angry, she loses control and she gets all demon demon armored up. She's dealing with Nastara, who's one of these demons who's trying to open this portal that into the realm that she controls. And plot, 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 you know, kind of a little spoiler here. Carmody gets dumped into limbo. Mm-hmm. You know, that's coming back yeah. big time when Power Pack hits, hits Inferno. And that's something that... I think a lot of people forgot is that Power Pack was a big part of Inferno too. They they had their own three issue arc where mm-hmm. they were there. There are some big consequences that are coming up with with their interactions with all the craziness going on, and they cross out paths with the new the new mutants again. So there's a lot that this book is just really setting up. And we could go deep into talking about who Nastaro is, but you know what? I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. He's a really bad demon, and uh, you know you'll you'll see him pop in again here. Yeah. Well, you know shortly. he he said that you know for uh, for Sam's plans to come to fruition, we need to do this stuff, and also mine. So it, it even right there, it just paints the thing. It's like he's a higher up demon, but there's a higher up yet, and he's looking to undermine him or kind of get his own agenda passed. So it's also interesting to note that this is something that Louise Simon said set up all the way back in issue number 20 of Power Pack 2. Yeah, yeah. Because they had demons running around New York that escaped from Limbo, mm-hmm. Magic's Limbo, and they were going around trying to find children of power. Mm-hmm. Nastra is still trying to find children, children of power. power yeah. So this is that little seed that was planted back yeah, there is one still issue being used. drop in uh, crossover with New Mutants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's coming back again and again and again and again. And... Uh, yeah, I like it. Now, one sad thing is that this is the final appearance of Rebecca Littlehale. Yeah. Which we're really hoping to get a lot more character development, and we started to get some good character development in her last panel, and that was <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, she very much had that, uh, no, I just want to go home. I don't want to be a hero. I'm a kid. I just want to go to my parents. I just want to be with my parents. And then she's kind of like, hey, I got rescued. I'm back with my parents. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna be a kid for now, but I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a hero and I'm going to be a light tracker and I'm going to do things like some other kids that have powers that I met are going to do. And I'm, yeah. Right now, I'm just hoping that, you know, Krakoa welcomes her onto the island and, and uh, you know, she, she has a small scene in one of the X books. That's, that's that, what I'm hoping that'd for. That'd be interesting. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. Probably but. not at all, but... Uh, but Marvel, give us a call. We've got a story ready for you. Uh, well, let's see. The uh, House of X stuff is on 
Marvel Unlimited now. I could just start checking background characters. It would have come up by now. I've got a library card to talk about. Ooh, what book are we going to discuss? We are not going to discuss a book, but I'm going to talk about a literary trope. Okay. Because I did not find any books in this one. No, there's no there's, book there's references There's nothing at book all. references. So I was struggling for a bit, and I actually wrote this first thing this morning. So oh. hang on. Hang on tight. <clears throat> We've all heard of making deals with the devil, whether through a folksy saying or a Charlie Daniels lamenting on a golden fiddle. It is an evocative concept that is both a cautionary tale and a tempting wish. One of the earliest written versions of this trope was in Greece, circa 6th century, is a Christian mythology of Theophilus. He is a despairing cleric, disappointed in the world and his career, so he sells his soul only to be redeemed by the Virgin Mary. If this seems familiar, it should. This is very similar to the plot of Faust, the German legend based on Johann George Faust, made famous by Christopher Marlowe's play, The Tragical History of Dr. Faustus. In these stories, the men who are bored with their lives call upon the devil to bestow on them intelligence and knowledge. Depending on the versions, the morality of the protagonist determines if the repentance of his soul from eternal damnation occurs or not. To put it another way, if the dude does enough good, he can go to heaven. These stories set a template for many variations, but they all ask the same central and very important question. What would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> Seriously, the protagonist of all these stories face the dilemmas of what they would give up for a single thing or event. And since the basis of our civilization is based upon religion, we as a people have an understanding of morality, right and wrong. Whether we believe in God or not, the ideas of a being who can tempt us to commit evil acts or to give up a part of ourselves just to achieve some kind of status, it really is a tale as old as time. In modern times, we have seen this story repeated and reshaped on numerous occasions, with the outcome changing depending upon the author's feelings. And I think that makes this one of the more interesting folklore tropes. What is offered and what is accepted? What are the consequences? What choices are made to meet or fight the deal at the center of the conflict? And of course, what would you do for a Klondike bar? That is my literary reference. I like it. And now I'm, I'm tempted. It's like, what would I do for a Klondike bar? Would I be so bold or arrogant as to go to a store and use monies to purchase one? No, no, no. It's the metaphorical Klondike bar. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, I am bored with life. I'm bored with living. I want to have that experience. I want to have that adventure. I want to do these things, have this money, have these goods. Ah, okay. It's a Klondike bar the size of New York City okay, is what I'm is saying. A, the Klondike bar is a visual representation of whatever it might be. Yes. Uh, being a supermodel, being in an action movie, um, winning the lottery. Having rank, privilege, and power that Carmody wants. Mm -hmm. That's what he is selling his soul for. Mm -hmm. He sold it for a suit so that he could make money and take down these stupid mutant kids who destroyed his life. Yeah. Which, you think about it. Because I know, because like, uh, like the saying goes, money makes the world go round and the mutants drop. Exactly. <laughs> Carmody has fallen into the trap that so many others before him have, have fallen into. Faust fell into it. Charlie Daniels and the Golden Fiddle fell into it. Uh, Rosemary fell into it with her baby. <laughs> <laughs> Although, she wasn't the one to make the deal, but still, it's the same. It's a variation on the trope. It's been used over and over. Carmody didn't have to go down this trail. He did not have to do this at all. All he needed to do was really look at science and build his own suit. There we go. Science time, buddy. Science corner time. That was a tortured trail to get there. Yeah, let's get out of the needful things shop and get over into <laughs> science corner.
In this issue, a plot point was introduced by Alex of taking Polaroid pictures of a staged reenactment of the boogeyman kidnapping Rebecca. Now this got me thinking, how do Polaroid pictures work? Instant camera film is remarkable because it has its own built-in developing studio. To understand how this works, you need to understand the basics of traditional photographic film. Film is a plastic base coated with particles of silver compound that are sensitive to light. Black and white film has one layer of silver compound, while color film has three layers. The top layer is sensitive to blue light, the next layer is sensitive to green, and the bottom layer is sensitive to red. When you expose the film, the sensitive grains at each layer react to light of that color, forming metallic silver at that layer. This gives you a chemical record of the light and color pattern. To turn this into a picture, you have to develop the film. One developer chemical turns the exposed particles into metallic silver. The film is then treated with three different dye developers containing dye couplers. The three dye colors are cyan, magenta, and yellow. Each of these dye coupler types react with one of the color layers of the film. In ordinary print film, the dye couplers attach to particles that have been exposed. In color slide film, the dye couplers attach to the non-exposed areas. The instant camera developing process combines colors the same basic way as slide film. It has the same layers of light-sensitive grains as traditional film, all arranged on a plastic sheet. The film also contains several additional layers, however. These layers contain all the necessary chemicals for the development process. Underneath each color layer, there is a developer layer containing dye couplers. All these layers sit on top of a black base layer, and underneath the image layer, timing layer, and acid layer, this arrangement is essentially a chemical chain reaction waiting to be set in motion. With instant film photography, you can watch the image slowly come together in a matter of minutes. The component that gets the developing process going is a reagent, a mixture of opacifiers, alkali, white pigments, and other elements. The reagent sits in a layer just above the light-sensitive layers and just below the image layer. Before you take the picture, the reagent material is all collected in a blob at the border of the plastic sheet, away from the light-sensitive material. This keeps the film from developing before it has been exposed. After you snap the picture, the film sheet passes out of the camera through a pair of rollers. The rollers spread the reagent material out into the middle of the film sheet, just like a rolling pin spreading out dough. When the reagent is spread in between the image layers and the light-sensitive layers, it reacts with the other chemical layers in the film. When you watch the image in a photo film come into view, you're actually seeing is the final chemical reaction. The image is already developed underneath. You're just watching the acid layer clear up the opacifiers and the reagent so the image becomes visible. So, that is how a Polaroid picture works. And now, unlike Carmody, who wants to shake as much money out of mutant children as he can, don't shake your Polaroids as they develop as it can blur the photo. And that is just a bad business plan. And that is this week's Science Corner. But Outcast told me to! Yeah, shake it. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Well, you know what? Once you do get that picture developed, I think there's only one place that it should go. Up on your refrigerator, because it's Power Thoughts moments, yeah, and we right. need to do our refrigerator gallery. Mm-hmm. What is the best piece of art, or the funniest piece of art, that needs to be on the family refrigerator, starting with our ha-ha-ha, funny-funny-funny ones? Yes, I have ha-ha-ha, funny-funny-funny ones. My joke backup one is on page 23. Oh, dear. think you might have the same one I do. Is yours in the bottom right-hand corner? Yep. Yep. Did you name yours, <laughs> I smell a dirty rat? Uh, I, I named it Bad Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> I called it, you know, I smell a dirty rat because it is a, a picture of the big, you know, a big mechanical robot person with kind of like a, ro you know, a rat mask on. Uh, it shows Rebecca holding her face. You know, she's holding, she's covering her eyes, but it really looks like she's covering her nose. Kind of like, like, oh, that rat stinks. So that's why I called it, I smell a dirty rat. Okay. And All right. you named it. Bad I, I named because... it Bad Skippy because uh, a Skippy is just attacking something. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, basically, yes. It is a picture of a rat robot, and then uh, Skippy Ch- uh, running after him and in the middle, and then Rebecca Little Hill over on the right-hand yep, side. Yep, yep. Yep. All right, I'm going to go ahead and go to my top funny one. Okay. This is all the way in the last few pages on page 28. And this is where Power Pack is saying goodbye to the New Mutants. Oh, uh, yeah. And I call this Jack in Love. And we spoke about this yeah. earlier. It is Elena giving Jack a kiss on the head. And Jack's got his hands together, kind of clasped together. And he's got this goofy grin on his face. And he's got this little heart up yeah. on his head. <laughs> yeah, he likes Ileana. Yeah. Which is pretty great. And the fact that I just love the fact that it's like, why is Magic ki- kissing Jack? There's no point for no reason for that to happen at all. But. All right, I'm uh, down with that. Uh, go, yeah. Way to go, Jack. She's saying goodbye to him. Yes, the she Russian is. costume. Aw. <laughs> what do you have for your top funny one? My top funny one is on page three in the upper right-hand corner, and I call it Make-A-Wish. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, after Power Pack is flying around looking for Boogeyman and not finding him, but they see the Warlock ship flying around in the neighborhood, and so they you know, attack it to slow it down because yeah. Katie really wants to catch it. This has... Over on the left-hand side is Alex shooting a powerball, and that's kind of pushing him back one direction. And Katie is, you know, kind of pulling in another direction. And in the middle is Jack being a wishbone, kind of getting pulled in between both of them. And it's like, well, see who gets the most half of Jack, and then you can make your wish come true. Poor, poor Jack. Poor Jack. He'll be okay. But it was just kind of like, he does have a look on his face that's just like, I don't like this too much. <laughs> yeah. All right, I want to go ahead and move forward for our backup best art and i'm gonna go page 12 okay and this one was just a nice picture and it's the top panel of this page and this is called family life it looks good and and it's just really good it's there's something kind of simple and fun about it you've got jim walking through the hallway where they've got a bunch of books in the back and he's putting on his jacket and he's walking by a vacuum cleaner that's just sitting there yeah sitting in the middle of the room right but he's walking through there, and then you can see through the door into the kitchen, or the dining room, where uh, Maggie's getting ready. She's got back to the door, and you can see Julie and Katie, and you can see Alex at the table. And it's just a very nicely composed picture. Oh, it is. It looks really good. Yeah. And, yeah, you have an idea what their house, yeah. their apartment looks like. And, just, yeah, it's just, it's it's a family morning. It's yes. a thing. Yeah, no, it's that's a good one. I really, that, I like that. It's just kind of fun. Yep. What do you have for your backup uh, good art? My backup good art is on page four, and it's the upper right-hand panel. And I call it short-term gain. And this is when uh, Alex has stolen the blasting aura of uh, Cannonball from him. And it just looks really neat because, like, Cannonball's hanging on to him and Alex has just got his hand up and he's just got energy arcing to him from kind of just everywhere. Out of context, this would be just an amazing panel to try to describe what's going on. Yeah. It's like he's just holding on to him and Alex looks like a god there. Yeah, just this. <laughs> yeah, because you wouldn't even be able to tell it's a kid. It could just be another teenager. It's the it, comparable it, it, size kind of thing. Well, I mean, you can't tell what it is at all because yeah. it's glowing so yeah. much. He's just glowing and he's got his hand up and just energy's pouring into it or possibly out of it. Yeah, yeah. if you didn't know the context of it, it could be uh, he's attacking, he's absorbing, he's just being super powerful. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Interesting choice. Well, uh, what's your number one? What's your favorite, Rick? Uh, my number one is on page 20. It's in the middle of the page. It's the long panel in the middle of the page. And I call this one, Play the Mighty Mouse Music! <laughs> because we've got all of the kids teleporting in to Carmody's lair. And... It, because the teleportation disc is so bright, it's kind of washing everything out. But you see, like, Katie in the bag next to Rebecca in her bag. I'm going, yay! And everyone's 
you know, blasting out of this teleportation disc with magic just standing in the middle. And it looks freaking awesome. I just really liked it. I, I like that entrance there. Carmody's there too. Yeah, it's got all the players. Yeah. So I just I I like this one. I mean, I like there's, it. there's good. a lot of good choices. There's a lot of good scenery all over the place. But I I wanted something that really represents you know kind of the action scene, and I, mm -hmm. I decided to choose that one. Okay. What do you got for your top one? My first place one is on page 25, and I call it Limbo Lady. It is the uh, upper left hand panel, and it is just a close up on the dark child persona of magic. It's it's a me image. It's because it has got negative coloration. It's just using shadowing. It's just got cross hatching and it's just it's just Ileana's kind of demon face front and center. There's nothing else going on, but I just love the coloration of it and how it looks. It is very much your picture. I'd love to that would be a good single drawing to have. Oh yeah. To scare my daughter at night. Oh. Um, <laughs> Go to sleep, little daughter. Otherwise, Ileana will get you. Oh, great. There goes there goes our kid rating. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was kind of mean to me. Let's just go on that train. Let's talk about more mean things. Yeah. Let's talk about rubber and glue moment. Mm -hmm. What was the best or most childish insult? What do you have for your backup one? All right. My backup meanie, meanie thing to say to somebody is on page 18, and it is Carmody. Yeah. And this is him. I'll let Rick do it, but it uh, starts at the top left panel and it goes through a handful of them. It goes through like three panels. Some people take out the garbage. I just keep bringing it in. Valuable garbage, though. I'll get a pretty price for you and rid the world of mutant scum at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> mutant scum. He's talking about their garbage. There's a lot yep. of illusions that uh, are there. Yeah, it's but yeah, just I had the pretty same great. One, mutant yeah. scum. It's yep. a good one. It's yep. really, really great. Okay, so if we had the same backup uh, insult one, uh, what's your first place insult? salty page 22 yeah i think we're I think uh, two I, for two yeah, on this one amazingly enough there's not that many insults there is you know, jack says you're a baby you yeah know, and but i mean th it's, it's there's silly i think somebody says that's silly it, it, there's not really right which is amazing considering all the kids that are there. Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of insults being thrown around. And especially with Carmody there, too. But yeah. both of them, we've got are from Carmody. Well, no, mine is uh, Magic and Jack talking. Oh, interesting. But it's on page 22, and it is uh, uh, Magic and Jack discussing just how kind of low rent these uh, arcade kind of cast off robots that they're fighting are. You know, and Magic's all, you know, what kind of low budget production is this anyway? And Jack's response is, I'm not surprised. The boogeyman always was cheap, weren't you, Carmody? You were cheap when my dad worked for you, and you're still cheap. And you always underestimated the opposition. And you, cocky mutant brat, have finally met your match. So yeah. calling him cheap and Carmody coming back with cocky mutant brat. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I, I just love that kind of that combo pack of this is just super low rent. You're a villain. You're our opposition. You were the thing we were all worried about. You're attacking us RC cars and dumb robots with and, masks. And yet at the same time, Jack says that, and then he gets knocked, yeah, he on gets the head knocked by the, out by, by the by the only robot that was doing good. This little you know bit robot that's flying around, knocking him and Sunspot out. Yeah, it's a little not Tie Fighter uh, drone. It's basically yeah, it's a, a hardcore baseball just going around and smacking people in the head. All right. I, I think that uh, we've insulted each other enough. Yeah. Let's talk about stars in detention. We're only doing we're only doing power pack because I mean, okay, I think yeah, we could yeah. probably we probably put some of the non players. Yeah. <laughs> in, in that pile pretty easy, but we won't. But I am uh, going to be surprised if we have not picked the same people. So I okay. so I think on, if we do detention child first. Yeah. Uh, so I say, uh, you know, on three, we say who our detention child I, is. I think you might have a different one than me. Really? Go, go, go ahead and do okay. yours first. One, two, three, Katie. I got Julie. What? 
I can okay. see why you got Katie though. Yeah, you, you chose Katie. Yeah. Uh, possibly because of her Everything. kind of whining and and. She whined a lot. She complained a lot. She was upset. She just wasn't in on the plan. There was the aspect when they're like, okay, we're going through with the our ambush of uh, Carmody now. You know, haha, he's going to come here and we're going to attack him. But Warlock's hanging out a window. So she literally, you know, he's leaning out a window. She literally climbs out the window which on was, the balcony which to was talk the to plan. him. They never discussed that. That was the plan. It's just that she was ready before they were. <laughs> Possibly. You know, Julie's like, what? He attacked now? We weren't ready yet. Yeah. But somebody was going to be bait. I don't know if it was supposed to be Katie hanging out a window or what. It was just the aspect that she just is like, I don't, you know, why is why are they inviting Alex to be the new mutants? I want to be a new mutants. No, I don't like this. I want to be the boss, and just I'm sleepy. Just yeah, throughout I, it, she just was like, Katie, come on. I get it. I and I mean, she's not my best one at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I I just ended up going with Julie because she kind of was hanging out with Wolfsbane and Sunspot in the we're not doing anything corner. Yeah, she was... She really... I mean, at least she, Katie was there. She was there. She was present. She ran around and did some stuff. She was integral. So I, uh, I kinda, Ju- I kinda, Julie, uh, Julie put her into a, a single pigtail. So that's the reason why I chose <laughs> okay. Julie. So I think we might have the same one for her the first place, and that's yeah. going to be Alex. Alex. Yeah, this was an Alex yeah. issue. Well, it... It well, was it, it. it was in the fact of he's the one coming up with the plans. He's the one who's like in an ensemble cast. What, the biggest voice we heard from him was he was laying out plans. Yeah, and they were good plans, and he was acting like a leader. Which yeah, he is was what pull, we he, wanted. He pulled leadership position right. really good. So I think I think this is one of those cases where in a big group of people where like he doesn't have time to whine or complain or talk about oh I want to go study with Allison. Yeah, yeah he actually is. yeah he steps <laughs> he up and he stepped up, like up really well. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, about about the worst thing that Alex did was at the end when uh, they're discussing, you know, it's like Carmody and they're like, do you think Carmody was actually talking to a real demon? And Alex is like, no, don't be silly. There's no such thing as demons, he says um, in front of Magic, who um, grew up in limbo, which is rife um, with demons. <laughs> and she never s- said anything bad. They fought demons earlier. They fought demons <laughs> with the New Mutants. Whatever, the whenever I listen, thirteen issues ago. Whenever or I listen to Tighten Up the Defense, one of uh, Hub's biggest complaints is that whenever Dick Nightwing sits there and says, "Well, magic doesn't exist." Oh my God! Yes, you it have does. friends that, have, that use magic. You are in a world where you have fought magical beings. Why do you always question that magic and supernatural is a thing when it's in your face? When it's on your team. Yes. Okay, Dick Grayson. Turn to your left. Now turn to your right. In one of those directions was Raven, a magical creature person who casts spells and uses magic. We need to do a couple more things before we can get out of here. Big one, big, big one is where are we going to place this on our ever-growing list of top grades? We are ranking these books from our best, which currently still is at our big hero, Power Pack number 25, Power Trip. Goes all the way down to X Factor Annual number two, which I don't think I'm even going to look that far down. No. Um, we had the last issue fall in, I think, around number 15, if I remember correctly. Yes. Power Pack uh, 39 was Lights, Camera, Action, and that is sitting at number 15 right mm-hmm. now. So do we find that this is better than that one or not? Hmm. I'm actually going to say yes. I mean, yeah, even, though, so. even yeah. though it does suffer from too many characters yeah, and, a too couple, much and, and, and yeah. a couple of characters get lost there's still a lot going on and okay one or two balls got dropped but they're still juggling a lot of stuff yeah there. they got a lot of stuff up in the air well right above that is uh, uh power pack number 22 trapped mm-hmm. and that's when uh alex 
you know, uh, when the kids go sledding right. and Alex and Johnny kind of have a fight. I, I still like that one. I think that one's still put together a bit better. Well, that's really simple then. Yeah, I, uh, let's put it in the new 15th slot. I'm I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. So it uh, it just upsurped its previous issue. Right. All right. So it's the new number 15. I, I think it's easy to do that because they're, there's a good quality level that goes across both of them. But yeah. I think this is the more superior of the two issues. All right. Well, that's fast and easy. All right. Next. On our list of things that we must do for you, our gentle listener, is we must talk about this yummy, yummy beer that we've been drinking all night in front of you. Oh, don't you hate it? We're mm. smell, smell that lovely beer. Mm. Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing that to you. That's very mean. I apologize. Yeah. Rick's that kind of way. I am. He brings a lot of his home life to the podcast. No, that's you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> so right. You know who is hateful? That's you. That's me. Yeah, this guy. You know who's just tired all the time? Oh, yeah, also mm. me. You know who's just angry? Oh, yeah, that's still you. me. You know who just feels dumb all the time? Oh, yeah, still me. No, no, I'll join you in that one. Yay, we're both <laughs> dumb. We got that going for us. We enjoy this beer. I'm still liking this. Mm-hmm. Very strong, still on the heavy fruit flavors. Heavy fruit. It's kind of lost some of the fruit notes to it to, in the uh, in the yeah. aroma, but I think that's just because I've been drinking it, and now I'm kind of like you know inundated with it. So it's like, yeah, I'm not smelling it as much because I'm living it. No, this is a this is good. Uh, definitely a summer beer, I would say. Mm-hmm. A spring beer, spring beer. I can see spring. I am leaning three and a half to four, somewhere that's in there. Where right? I'm at two. I was uh, my first sip. I was like four, and then it's kind of like a little bit later. You know, as it warmed up a touch. The uh, kind of the sour notes kind of started coming in on the fruit, so it kind of started having like a, oh, this has gone from like a oh, kind of thing to like oh, there's a little bit more of kind of like the maybe this fruit's I, a little bit yeah, old kind of flavor. I'm willing to I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and push keep it at a four. I'm fine with it. I'll four. go that route too. Yeah, then. yeah, I could go four. I'm enjoying so, it. I like it. So once again, this uh, Combat Wombat by Rogue Brewery, and we are both giving this a four. So thank you very much, Rogue Brewery, for yeah. a nice beer. Yeah, it's tasty. I would drink this again. And now that we've talked about a delightful beer, let's talk to a delightful child. And that would be Rick's daughter, Carrie. So, Rick and Carrie, tell us what you thought about this issue. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Carrie. (laughs) You beat me to it this time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're trying to find out what to say. I'll say before you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sometimes I forget what I'm going to (laughs) say. We are going to talk about Power Pack issue number 40, Fire with Fire. And this is the one where it's the second parter of Carmody's Revenge, where he steals yeah. Rebecca Littlehale. And who is helping Power Pack out this issue? The New Mutants. We've seen them before, right? Yeah. So far, who is your favorite New Mutant? I like Warlock. You like Warlock? Yeah. Why do you like Warlock? I don't know. It's just, I guess it's because how nice he is, and he's like super helpful. He follows where Carmody was taking the kids. Because he, he was following Katie, right? Yeah, and also he was being a really good friend. Yeah, he's kind of goofy too, isn't he? Yeah. That's cool, I like that. Who are you most interested in and would like to know more about? I don't know, there's a lot of people. <laughs> there is, there is. Is there anybody else that kind of seemed interesting or fascinating? I really don't know, <laughs> there's a lot. There are a lot. Power Pack's got four members on their team. New Mutants at that time has probably about six or seven maybe, I think. So it's a little bit bigger. There are some characters that go in and out too, but we'll see a little bit more of uh, the New Mutants pretty quickly. I'll, you'll be reading some more issues with them Ooh, starting next starting next week, actually. <laughs> they managed to stop Boogeyman this time, right? Yeah. What happens to the Boogeyman? He gets sent to, um, to Limbo. Yeah, he gets sent to Limbo. And there's a bunch of demons in this too, isn't there? Not a 
bunch, oh, but a few. A few. There's a couple. Yeah, there, there's going to be more demons coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Limbo's not a good place, and Carmody was sent there, right? Yeah. What was the demon trying to steal? Um, mutants? He was trying to steal babies of power, right? Oh, yeah. We've seen kind of that before, haven't we? Long time ago, back in issue 20, when all those babies were being stolen by demons. Oh, yeah. It's the same group of people. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, you, how did they know that they had powers? Babies well, had powers? that's kind of part of it, is that they keep stealing these babies, and they're looking for babies with powers. Oh. They do know about the babies with powers, and that's they need them to open up a portal back to Earth. Right. And that's what they were trying to do back before, right? Yeah. It's about to get kind of scary. <gasps> um, Anyways, speaking speak of scary... Yeah, speaking of scary, you had some questions or concerns with the cover so the cover looks really deep it's like in a graveyard it looks really really dark and deep but when you look inside it's like not not at all very dark or deep was there any part about this that matched the cover only one part where mirage was doing the where she was making him see what he wanted the most yeah that scene kind of happened in the book but do you think it kind of represents what's going on yeah because what is it what is it really representing it's showing what showing carmody wants mutants to die right that's about it um overall what did you think about the entire issue and this issue and last issue did you like those yeah were you able to follow the story pretty well yeah i think so any other questions for me nope all right thank you very much for your time then you're welcome i love you love you too hmm Thank you, Carrie. That's really insightful. We're always glad to hear from you. And now, I'm going to shout at you. <laughs> not not Carrie, not his daughter. No, no, no. You, the listener. Yeah. Yeah, because it's time for a shout out. We like to recognize all those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is going to be for episode 49, where we covered Strange Tales 12 to 14. And I'd like to start off by thanking everyone for the comments that my daughter's description of The Punisher was the best. It's really fun to get a pure kid opinion when we read these books. After Snooze. AJ. Al Sedano and Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. His headcanon for Yoda the hamster is that he is Jack's class pet, and it was his turn to bring it home for the weekend. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Greg McNichol. David Adler. Ed209. Fractal. Green Lantern HG. The Hammer Strikes. Jeremy Daw. Kim Ellis. Limax 7. Matthew Birdsey. Mr. Rogers Core. The Professor Frenzy Show. It's a show. Reggie Yang. Rustin LF, who thinks of the Punisher as the Dexter of the MU. He is a killer unlike most other heroes, but he tries to target that bloodlust at villains. John in the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, who had never heard of these issues or read them, and was cross that Marvel Unlimited did not have them. Waffles. Who's the good doggy? WMQ podcast featuring Matt Lezerwitz. And we want to do a special thank you to Hoover Jeremiah. Well, not only is he a, a longtime lister and a really nice fan of ours, but he decided to send us a nice package which we have yet to open. So we are going to open it on air now and see what we see. I'm going to try to open this without cutting my hand. It's going to be fun. Yeah, be careful about that. I'm watching, <laughs> watching your hand get a nice sharp blade getting closer and closer to your fingers. Yeah, I managed to get it. I managed yeah, to get you did it. good. So uh, he had sent me a message saying that he had something that he thought that we would enjoy and he wanted to send it to us. Yeah, I, think and he, it, I think his words were to spruce up the podcast area or something. <laughs> Here we go. What do we got? We have got Ooh, a, a letter, note. A note. And, oh, geez. 
So we've got a note, which I'll read in one second here, but we've got a poster. Oh! And it is a power pack poster. Oh! Okay, I'm going to do this as gently as I possibly can. Yeah. It's because it's folded, and it is a fold. It is a poster wow. side, and it's folded. And oh, it is that's cool. A new generation of superheroes for readers of all generations power pack created by Louis Simonson and June Brigman. Written by Louis Simonson, penciled by June Bringman, inked by Bob Wycheck, edited by Carl Potts. Marvel makes the magic. Nice. That is beautiful. This is a promotional poster. Oh, wow. Oh, this is, this is, this is special. I yeah. like this. Here's the only problem. Now he's caused a fight between me and Rick for over oh, who no, gets the ownership there ain't no of no, problem that is gorgeous. At all. There ain't no problem at all. This no. is going to my house. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can go to the shrine. No, that is beautiful. Thank you, Hoover, so much. That is amazingly cool. And um, yeah, yeah, we have a we have a two page note here. I, I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'll, I'll go ahead and read. We'll both read this together here. But I will say that I love the stationery and song because it says, "And then Hoover said to you," <laughs> and it's got pictures of Hoover on the side. Oh, nice! He's got his own stationery. Oh, he's got personalized stationery. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. The, that's the best thing ever. I also want to say that I have been listening to Hoover's show. He does a podcast himself yep. on Transformers. Transformers, called Four Million Years Later, which is a Transformer cartoon podcast. I finally caught up with all of the episodes on it. Mm -hmm. It's really good. I really like him and his friend. They do a fantastic job. Really appreciate it, and I, I've been enjoying some conversations that we've been having going back and forth. So thank you. Thank you very much, Hoover. That was very, very nice of you. That is super, super kind. That is, uh, that, I don't know if that's a promotional uh, poster yeah. or what. It, that is just great looking. It's got the power pack. It's got uh, a chameleon on there, which is probably Kofi. I we'll, don't know. It, we'll take, it's just, we'll take a it looks yeah, we'll take a picture of them and post that, too. Yeah. And then I uh, also wanted to just say, too, that uh, I, I'm going to, plan on going to Baltimore Comic-Con mm -hmm. next year, so I am taking that with oh, me, and I'm going to do some signatures on nice, that puppy. Nice, that is nice. going to be signed. So, thank you once again. Thank you very much. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on, like our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rookie Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a very awesome poster that we just got in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, we have a YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Pinball Spring 160. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. All right, go for it. All right, here, here's for all the speed barbels. That was a terrible one. That was terrible. Thud. Thud. <laughs>
Wow! Johnny Dick was that! Thud. This is all new. I'm like, I don't recall any of that. Yeah, that was today. Okay. Well written. <clears throat> and well, <laughs> well, well spoke too. Thud. As all of the kids start to chat about this and that, Sunspart. Sunspart? Sunspartan. Thud. Let's have a Sam Jackson off. Serious? Well, that's all you had to say. All right. Okay, just <laughs> blend them together. Everybody gets a word. Thud. Followed by magic teleporting the copied photos to various news outlets after Katie refuses to be... Out of air. Thud. He has attached onto the crummy kidnapper and is stringing out his body like a really long techno-organics... Yep. Thud. Also, Jack and Mirage do the classic punch, knock over while bending behind a robotic... Ro- knock over knock over while bending behind a robotic robot. Magic. Nope. Thud. So she fark... Farkuses? Mm-hmm. Thud. Precisely. Sh- huh. <clears throat> Word. Thud. But to where? Where did he go, Mr. Wizard? <laughs> to the science classroom, of course. I love Mr. Wizard. That's been forever since I've seen him. Thud. Whether you like it or not, he did fall into this you know, massive trap that, you know, so yep. many greats have fallen into. You mm-hmm. know, Faust fell into it. Charlie's Daniels fell into it. A few others. <laughs> only other name two. more examples, Rick. Pop quiz. Name more. I don't know. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Uh, 